there's certainly the opportunity cost that comes with assigning someone from your learning team, or fr frankly, finding anybody to work on this, if it's not going to fix the problem. There's also the frustration that comes with that. I've experienced that personally and experienced that as a leader of learning professionals. It is really frustrating to spend your time and effort doing something that you think is not going to work, right? Don't conduct your analysis in isolation because data is so incredibly powerful. Not defending just the tribe, but defending the organization. Those creative people that you really want to keep empowered, keep excited, keep motivated, keep thinking. Good experience pays dividends down the line. Stereotypes tend to break down in proximity. Welcome to We're Only Human, a podcast about human resources, business, technology, and the workplace. My name is Ben Eubanks, your host, and I'm so glad you're here. Hey everyone, it's Ben Eubanks, host of We're Only Human, and I'm so glad to have you here with us today. You know, today's conversation with Ben Seeky, the head of learning over at Delta Dental, is a really interesting one. We actually had him on the HR Summer School event last summer, and I'm drawing this from there because it's a conversation, a common pain point that so many of us has faced. How many times have you been sitting in an executive meeting, meeting with a manager, talking with someone in the organization, and they say, oh, there's a, there's a problem, there's an issue there, that's a training issue. We should develop training to solve that. The truth is, many times when that conversation comes up, the answer isn't training. Now, I know that learning, employee development, training, skill development, all those things are critical practices for us. They're key ways to engage people, to improve their performance, all those things. But how many times has that come up when we know it's not the real issue? So in today's conversation with Ben, he's going to share some ideas with us from some of his career experiences at multiple companies. We're going to share some colorful examples, I'll just say. Wait till you get into the conversation. You'll see exactly what I mean. And you'll understand more about this and how it fits into the bigger picture and how to push back respectfully, carefully, how to understand how to, when to, you know, what battles to fight, those kind of things. It's a great discussion. I know you'll enjoy it. Just a quick side note to say that if you have not seen the Talent Scarcity book, the new book that I put out recently, talentscarcity.com is how you can learn more, download the first chapter. That book was a bestseller when it launched on Amazon, which is so, so exciting for me. And it's been amazing to meet people both in North America and around the world in the last month. So I've spent time in Dubai and in India, speaking at events, kind of on the book tour, and meeting people and sharing the principles and ideas and it's been such a wonderful opportunity to understand more about how talent scarcity is impacting different organizations, different leaders around the world. So I am so, so excited about the impact it's already having. And if you've checked the book out, if you've read it, if you've seen it, if you've learned something from it, go share a review on it. That'd be the wonderful way to, to say thank you to me. And I would super, super appreciate that. So let's guy, let's Put that aside now. Let's dive into this conversation with Ben Seeky from Delta Dental. Hey, everyone. I take it very seriously that all of you that are working in the HR and recruiting world, like that's the world you live in. And some of you may have a hat you put on when it's time to do a little training or a little learning, but I love bringing in someone who is deeply steeped in that area, essentially, and a such a matter expert to dive into some of the best practices and everything else there. And so I have Ben here with me from Delta Dental to dive into some of the things. We're going to talk about a conversation that most of you have probably already had once. And we're going to help you have it better next time, I think. So before we get into that fun stuff, I've probably teased it really well. Ben, welcome. Would you give everybody a quick insight about who you are, what you do, please? Yeah, absolutely. And Ben, always love catching up with you. I love our conversations. I'm Ben Seeky. I'm the Director of Talent Development and Learning for Delta Dental of California and affiliated companies. 
And um, that makes me the enterprise head of learning over here. When you're not doing learning, what do you do? Playing a nineties rock cover band. So yeah, yeah. It's a lot of fun. My, my undergrad was actually in music, right? I think about all the folks in the world that haven't, that went to college for something other than they ended up doing professionally, yeah. but I still, I love to play the drums. And so it, it scratches the itch to get to do that once or twice a month. Not to stray too far from my intended path, but do you think that gives you a healthier respect for people who come with a non-traditional background to a role and look at them differently? Do you think that affects how you see that? Because you have this different music and then you're learning, I don't know. Maybe subconsciously. I mean, I do know like one of, so my degree was in classical percussion and I'm, I was mostly a drum set player. Yeah. So that, you know, so I spent it like very finely, finely sliced pieces of not just music, but really specific though. Oh, it gets more than that. I'm like, I'm looking, I have my degree up on the wall over here. So I have a bachelor of music degree. So not a BA. It's a, my, and my major technically wasn't music because it's a bachelor of music. So I have a bachelor of music in performance with a specialization in percussion. And so, yeah, I spent five years as a lot of fun. Go Cal State Long Beach, give a shout out to them. Playing a lot of instruments that I had very little exposure to in, in high school. And like, I had a chance to study playing orchestral snare drum with the, the one of the percussionists from the LA Philharmonic and learning how to properly play the triangle. So going back to your question, Ben, and by the way, like I just, so it doesn't sound like I'm bragging. I am, if I was ever good at most of those things, I am not now. Like I'm back to just being a drummer again, which I love, but you know, that was one of the takeaways that I took away from that, from my whole college experience was that for the most part, if you really want to learn how to do something and you're willing to put the focus and time and energy in on it, right. You may not like. Ben, if you came to me and you said after this, you're like, I know this sounds crazy, but I really want to learn how to play the triangle. We can make that happen. And I think there's something to that when it comes to workplace learning where, yes, we all have our unique gifts. Yes, we have our unique strengths, right? Not that everyone is, is perfectly equal in every way, but for a lot of the stuff we're asked to do at work, it does come down to a question of if you're willing to learn, we can be willing to help you develop and grow and build those skills. Thank you for letting me explore that a little bit. Cause that was. No, it's a good, it's a good question. Yeah. I, I, one, I'll, one, I'll certainly meditate on more. Okay. Awesome. Well, while you're meditating, I'm going to come at the audience with this thing. So one of the biggest pitfalls that I see when it comes to our interactions with managers is this situation that happens all too frequently where they come to us, there's an issue, there's some problem, there's some challenge and they say, oh, it is probably a training issue. And that allows them to set that at your feet and walk away and hand over responsibility, essentially. And I'd love for you to put a percentage on that if you can. No one's going to hold you to it. But how many times is that actually a training issue when someone brings you an issue and walks away versus it being something else entirely? Ooh, let me just say, so let me aggregate my experience from this organization, but also from organizations past, because I really think it has a lot to do with the sophistication of the business leaders and the strength of the partnership and how many of these kinds of conversations we've had with our clients before, but I'd say it can be up to half the time. Okay. So for you, those of you out there listening to this right now, by the way, if that's ever happened to you, someone came to you and said, Hey, this person is a problem for X reason, and they need training to solve that. 
I'd love for y'all to drop that in the comments right now because I'd love to see how often this happens out there. We'll do a quick poll, quick sample size on that just to figure it out because I know that you and I had a chance when I met you in person, finally, by the way, a few months ago, it was a blast. And we talked through this with a whole table full of people who care about learning and development and building the best talent. And we found there's a commonality, there's a common thread through all those things. So I really wanted to spend our limited time here today letting you help people that are listening into this answer that question more effectively or turn that around or respond to that instead of just saying, no, it's not, which may be the inclination. I, I want to just let it spill out. What's the best way to actually respond back to that? Is it having a little more dialogue? Is it, hey, tell me more about that? What's the best, what's your approach to that essentially? Well, you called out the first piece of it, Ben, which is you're, you want to come off as curious, right? And I've certainly made that mistake of coming off and saying, this can't possibly be learning issue or a training issue or whatever. And I, as I'm sure, right, everyone that's watching and listening knows like that never leads the conversation to a good place. Right. So I always like to start. And even by the way, if I don't have that, that assumption of, is this really a training issue? Or if I don't have, if that concern doesn't come to mind, it's still always, tell me about why, tell me about what you're experiencing. Tell me about what you're seeing. And to try to go down any of you that are familiar with like the five whys and that process for some root cause, really digging in, it's just helpful to just ask why and really understand, try to get to the place where you understand what the business issue is and what we think is causing it. Because oftentimes when someone comes and they say, I need training for this, what we're now talking about is a solution. We're not talking about a cause, right? I always like to say, and I didn't come up with this. I just like to say it, that training really addresses two things, knowledge gaps, right? Things that people don't know and skill gaps, people that they're, they're things that people aren't able to do. Yes. And so what you're trying to get to, to understand, is this a training issue or not? And to try to get some alignment with your client on that. I always love, I love to frame conversations that way, right? Skill gaps, knowledge gaps. Now let's talk about why we think this is happening. Because what I'm trying to understand is the business problem that they're hoping to solve something that's caused by one of those two things. And it's not training if there isn't a skill gap or a knowledge gap, but there is a business issue. And probably my favorite example of this is from a previous employer. It's not Delta Dental, but I won't say who it is either. And I think that and I had a chance to talk about this. There was a time in my I can career. make a guess, but it's okay. Run with it. Yeah, this is a, it, it's my, it's one of my favorites, right? I'll tell the short version of it, but you know, I was asked by some senior leaders at a previous company to create training on how to clean the bathroom. And now don't get me wrong. Organizations are certainly entitled to have the specific way that they want to have a bathroom cleaned and to ensure people are able to do that. But as we started talking about this and just as some background, right, for any of you that might get a request like that, what was going through my head in that moment was I have a bathroom at home, as do most of our employees, probably all of them. And well, people may not regularly clean their bathrooms. Most of us, if someone important was coming over and you're thinking, oh no, no, it's my place is a mess. I got to clean the bathroom. You could figure out how to do that, right? It's not rocket science. You've probably done it before. But the reason that we don't clean the bathroom perhaps is free. I mean, I'm thinking about my bathrooms right now. They're not a mess, but I don't clean them as often as perhaps I should, because guess what? It's an unpleasant job. It's not because I lack the knowledge or skill. It's that I don't like to do it. So the, so as I'm talking to them and I'm saying, so like, to help, help me understand, like, 
what's driving this? What caused you guys to feel like this is something we have to get together with the training team on to fix? It was our bathrooms all seem to be in a mess. Okay, why do we think that is? Well, they must not know how to clean them. Who's accountable for cleaning them? Well, no one in particular, but so we start going through those questions. And, and I think that's the other piece of the conversation is helping leaders. Cause if it's not a training issue, it can be a ton of things. Um, I'm a huge fan of taking a performance consulting approach to not just answering the question, is this training or not, but what would fix it? But, you know, is it just think about all the things using Matt as an example, like all the things that could cause a bathroom not to be clean. The primary one is no one wants to do it. It's unless it's your job, who's volunteering to clean a shared bathroom, nobody, but it could be that they don't have the cleaning supplies. It could be that you know, time and prioritization issue. It could be, could it be a training issue? Possibly. But I think that's where I like to steer those conversations back to and just understand what do we think is causing this? Are we open to looking at like the universe of all the things that might fix this problem? And if we can get to that point, we're a lot more likely to get some buy-in with the client on identifying and then taking action on which of those things is actually going to solve it. I love that the consultative approach, you almost are being a coach to them in this moment saying, let's really understand what we're asking. You ask a question and it seems very simple and straightforward to you. And yet in the back of my mind, I'm thinking this is going to create a tremendous amount of work and other things for us have to do. Let's make sure before we do this, that this is the right first step, because if it turns out it is going to have the best darn bathroom cleaning manual you'll ever, you've ever seen. But if it turns out that it's not clean because they're too busy, they don't want to do it, whatever any of those other reasons are, all the variations, I think that gives us a chance to say, okay, what, what does matter? Is it, we're going to have a spot check and do a, we'll do a $25 bonus for which spot check your bathroom and it's clean. Or what can we do to start driving that behavior? Because that comes back around the hardest thing that we have to touch, which is getting people to do things they don't want to do sometimes. A hundred percent. And for anyone that's listening and thinking, is it the worst thing in the world? Going back to the comment you just made then about like the amount of work it might take to solve this, even if we solve it the wrong way. If anyone out there is thinking, well, what's the harm in just putting together the training, right? Aside from the opportunity cost, because they also have a full solution in mind and not to make this just about bathroom training, but whatever it is, a client might come to you and it's they It's a great say, example of any kind of thing that happens, right? So I, I think that's, yeah. that applies in a lot of cases. Everybody out there just insert whatever last time someone brought this to you, right? Insert it. They don't click their timesheets on time. They don't like all these kind of things. Same thing. Same right. They don't read the right. customers. They don't do this. They don't do that. You know, what? If they come with a fully formed solution in mind, or if you help them build it or whatever it is, there's certainly the opportunity cost that comes with assigning someone from your learning team, or fr frankly, finding anybody to work on this, if it's not going to fix the problem. There's also the frustration that comes with that. I've experienced that personally and experienced that as a leader of learning professionals. It is really frustrating to spend your time and effort doing something that you think is not going to work. Right. But there's the bigger one, which is if we, let's say, let's use the example you just gave then of they're not filling out their timesheets and the client is insistent that we need to have training. This is a training issue. And so we just build the training either against our own beliefs, right? Yeah. Beliefs or inclinations, or we don't even dig in and we just say, oh yeah, that makes sense. And we build the training. What then happens is if it doesn't fix the problem. Then it went from being something that might not have been a training issue in the first place to now the training failed undermines the, your client's belief of your efficacy. That's a really great point because 
when you say, okay, when you acknowledge that and you accept what they're presented to you, you take ownership of it from that point forward, essentially, just for better Absolutely. or worse. And it is. So, I'm sorry. I mean, I was just thinking even more on that, right? Even if it goes well, I'll give an example of something. Another example was working with a quality assurance team that was asking for training. And this was in a contact center environment. They were asking for training to address a quality issue because in this particular business unit, our contact center agents over and over again, were making the same mistake. And surely that must be a training issue. So my next question was, well, tell, what is the mistake? Help me understand what the mistake they're making is. And this was an interesting example where every time this was like a specialized unit within the contact center. And so every time a call got routed to them, they had to check a box on like the profile of the person that was calling in to essentially, I don't want to say flag them, but designate them as someone that that group should be the one dealing with. So that for call routing purposes or whatever. So literally the issue then was they weren't checking a box, but they were expected to check that box every single time. They knew where the box was. They knew how to check the box. They were checking the box sometimes. They just weren't doing it all the time. And so wanting to be curious, I guess, let's talk to the business leaders, but I already have a hunch in my head that this is more of a communications issue than a training issue. I don't need to train someone on how to check that box. They know, they know the box is there. They're capable of checking the box. They just need to be held accountable. And honestly, maybe they're just forgetting. And so if we had though done, so, so looking at this, I'm like, this is a problem with a really light lip. Let's say that we had put together some training and took them off the phones or put together an e-learning, whatever it is we needed to do that. Let's say it fixed the problem. That is, I'm trying to think of a good, of a good example, but that would be overkill in my mind, right? It would be, it wouldn't be right-sizing the solution to the problem you've got at hand, but if it fixes the problem, now they want that every time too. And so I think that's a part of our job, not just to make sure the problem is fixed, but to make sure as business leaders that the problem is fixed in the way that's the most economical to still achieve the result that we're looking for. I really appreciate that perspective because when you say yes, or you say no, there's a precedent that's set there and they're going to, they're going to have expectations based on whatever you say. If the, if instead you approach it as you've laid out here, very, Hey, let's understand that some more. The next time they come to you, they say, you know what? I'm not going to go in Ben's office until I know the answers to A, B, and C, because that's the first things he's going to ask me. And I want to understand that. And sometimes they'll figure the answer out on their own without having to come and ask for the training or they come more informed. So if you do need training, guess what? Sometimes that's the answer and you'll know more clearly, okay, these are the actual skill gaps you've been in. Okay, great. And how do you think it's best to close those? Okay, let's, we'll look at that. Okay, we'll get our instructional design and all the other fun stuff and wrap that up. Great. But if you say yes, say no, whatever it is, you are setting some expectation in the future for what they're going to be. I want to, this feels super nerdy to me. I'm glad we went to other examples beyond the bathroom because again, I think everybody can probably translate that in their head, but we gave some other good examples of that. I appreciate you for spending a little time with us. It went so fast covering this, exploring how we can be better coaches for our leaders inside the business. So all of you, this is some, I'll throw it out there. He's not going to say it, but I'll say it. This is some Jedi mind tricks that you can use on your leaders inside the business. Go straight face and say that. Great. Use that on your leaders to make them better and to make their teams better and to help everyone involved. So if someone wants to connect or follow you, Ben, what's the best way for them to do that? LinkedIn is the best. So yeah, come try me on there. Okay, perfect. I'll make sure that your name is right here in the chat so we can click right over, connect with you. Thank you again for joining me for, again, what 
for me, it's a fun conversation for me out there. I hope it was a very practical one. And for you, you get to reminisce about percussion and all the other fun things that were involved here. I love it, Ben. Thanks for having me. I hope you got some great notes from the discussion today. We'll catch you next time on We Are Only Human. Thank you so much for joining me on the show today. I'm honored to have you as a listener. If you enjoyed this episode, please take 10 seconds to rate it at iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Also, if you know a friend that could benefit from today's conversation, please pass it their way. After all, a rising tide lifts all ships. To see show notes, sponsor information, and our full show archives, visit OnlyHumanShow.com.